Hi, and welcome back to Newsreel with Joe Neal. Here we are again. Uh, how's it going? Good. Yeah, all things considered. It feels like the end of the world sometimes, really? but, you know. I mean, if you really consider all things, does it still feel good? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I do. Hoot, There's enough humor. Hoot and holler kind of thing. Like, enough people, thankfully, are, you know, uh, taking it in their stride and or, you know, making fun of what's going on. Yeah. They keep me going. Right. Yeah. Good company, of course, like your good self, uh-huh. uh, Mr. Scott, who's here with us as well. Um, but also, you know, acquaintances online, some yeah. comedians who still get some airtime right. online, mm-hmm. not in any big TV stations, but so, yeah, all things considered. But no, at the same time, though, it's jaw dropping mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, the first couple of months last year? I, well, I remember. I'm going to say what I remember. I remember you saying, there's no way. There's no way. Okay, it's it's happening. The first lockdown is happening. But they'll end it. This yeah. this cannot go on yeah. for much longer. Yeah. It has uh-huh. in waves. You know? It's gone on, yeah, for quite long. We're going into second, a second a second phase of it. The kind of, I suppose the phase we're in now is that the conditioning that people have been subjected to over the past... 15 months, six, almost 16 months, uh, is now being capitalized on. It's not, in that sense, when people, when, when authorities were claiming that there'd be no return to a norm, no return to the old way of doing things, there's no, there's a, there's a new normal coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people question that, like, what do you mean? This is just a short term thing. We'll go back to the way things were before. But 15 days to flatten the curve. Well, it, exactly. It, it yeah. didn't, yeah. didn't jive. Right. No. But, it seems that maybe they had in mind the idea that maybe they were aware, as we talked about in the show last week, about the level of uh, fear-based programming and conditioning that the pe- people were subjected to uh, and the effect, the enduring effect that that's had on people's, a lot of people's, not everybody's like we're saying, but a lot of people's minds, is that, you know, there's going to be some persistent changes in behavior at the very least because as we talked about again last week on the on the show um we're talking about behavioral scientists in the uk but of course there were behavioral scientists in other major uh, um, western nations at, at the very least who were doing the same thing which was looking at how they could uh, increase the fear and the emotional response in people in order to get them to comply with the regulations and even by their own admission beyond what was necessary beyond what was uh, required yeah. in terms of the scale of the danger that they faced. They basically told them, told people or in one way or another messaged people, this is government scientists through the government uh, government um, you know, conferences or what do you call it, press conferences and also then through the press itself that they um, created a ridiculous amount of fear in the population and people are still left traumatized and how long that'll last i mean it probably could go away if, if they dropped it completely and told everybody everything's everything's fine everything's okay don't worry about it. it's all gone go back to normal you'd probably take quite a long time for people to get over this the kind of trauma mm-hmm. again not everybody but a certain certainly a significant uh, section of the population based on their own nature their own psychological emotional makeup were more affected by it than, than a lot of others so yeah New normal. Resounding success then from one point Well, it was a resounding success if that was your goal, to engage in a, a social experiment to see how you could get people to comply through, the ba- through, through fear-based messaging, you know, from, from government, from an authority. But that, I don't think that was really meant to be the, 
the, the, the goal or the point of the whole thing? The whole thing was to protect, protect the health service and protect people and particularly protect older people. That was the only agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And delay the numbers of people rushing to hospital. Yeah, because yeah. they said up front what's obvious about anything coronavirus related or similar types of viruses. Look, you can't stop these things. Right. What we can do is delay right. the mad rush to hospitals. Right. So and please, everyone, just pitch in and help us on that. And that was a reasonable yeah. cause celebre for people to join right. up to. Right. And they did mm-hmm. in droves. Yeah, yeah. But now governments are saying, particularly the UK government is outspoken about this, about saying that basically um, things are things are back to uh, things are kind of normal now. We're just going to have to live with this virus, you know, and saying that it's recently Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister, and his uh, chief medical officers have been saying publicly that this virus really isn't. A danger. We just want to remind people, like it's after 15 months of terrifying people with the idea that everybody, you know, implicitly everybody was in mortal danger from this virus. Now they're saying, we want to remind you that this virus is only really dangerous to a very small percent of the population. The great majority of people will not have either any symptoms or only mild or moderate symptoms. It's not a, a mortal danger to the vast majority of people. And even people in their 80s, this includes people in their 80s, the great majority of people in their 80s are in, are in no real significant danger from this virus. And I'm like, what was the last 15 months? Of, I mean, how do you explain that in terms of the effects that you've had on people over the past 15 months? I mean, that's obviously not the message you were giving or you were saying uh, for, for for that entire period. Because otherwise it's like, what, people just made it up themselves? All along the government was saying, no, this virus is, for the great majority of people, not a big threat. Don't worry about it. It's not so bad. Just a few people in danger. They should take care. The rest, no problem. And so that's what they said. We, we, we presume, we're, meant to, we're meant to believe that that's what they said. And somehow people got exactly the opposite impression. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you explain it? Somebody well, has to explain that. Mixed messaging was the hallmark of this whole episode. Right. Well, that just produces its own kind of uh, uh-huh. deliberate psychological. Whatever. The effect is the same as gaslighting. Yeah. Right. Gaslighting. I'm, I'm not really doing this to you. It's the pandemic. It's it's own, running its own natural course. Mm-hmm. It's not me. I see. I'm saying nice things to you. At the same time, I'm making it very clear that uh, anyone who doesn't comply with measures and so on. Mm-hmm. Faces prison time. The big message. Being fired. Yeah. Of course. The big big lesson for me in the whole thing is just how fragile an awful lot of people are in society Mm -hmm. or how subject or susceptible they are to that kind of, uh, well, first, yeah, to that kind of messaging, to fear-based messaging that can be terrified very easily. To believing it. And and to believing it in the sense of that, that, that points to their, their, for a lot of people, the really extreme dependence they have on authority, you know, complete dependence on authority in the sense of they will absolutely listen to every word an authoritative voice says and if that voice is saying in one way or another you're in deadly danger you have to do what we say or you may die they're Indeed. basically presenting people with the threat of of their own death which terrifies a lot of people when it really shouldn't uh, then yeah people are just I don't want to be tr- too dramatic but lambs to the slaughter in a certain sense um Anyway, we don't really want to talk about COVID right now, and we want to talk about well, no, a few yeah. other topics. A few things. Well, I've split them into three main things. One would be um, some of the most recent announcements, either in law or in draft, that uh-huh. governments, a few select examples from the last week, 
our governments are considering at this moment. Um, I don't think it's controversial to describe them as totalitarian, <gasps> unless it's a plague type situation and then everyone should pitch in, you know. Right. So, but of course, they've just said it's fine, it's fine. It doesn't really affect anyone unless you're, you know, very old or very sick. So, which is it? If it's the latter, then these kinds of measures we're going to look at are completely off the wall. Um, we also want to look at some of, well, we discussed it in detail last week, some lockdown effects. Well, there's one that's been rearing its head a lot in the last, It's in fact, it's one specific virus, and it's not coronavirus, it's not uh, COVID-19, it's something else. It's the RSV. It's a common bug. Yeah. This is... Not new. Well, it is news in that finally the numbers are being noticed that they're going up. Um, it's not news in that, again, it was it was told to us throughout. Yeah, there's going to be kind of a rebound from lockdowns at the breaking of transmissions of the normal seasonal viruses. People are going to be immune deficient mm -hmm. when things lift again. And here we are. So we're going to have a look at how that's going. The inadvertent effects, yet those effects which they predicted would happen anyway. Finally, um, a story I want to look at is another thing that's been getting a lot of news in the last week, food shortages. Mm -hmm. We're not going to examine the issue per se. You know yourself at home whether or not food prices are rising locally. I think most people can see that it is from some commodities for sure, certainly meat. It's more about the reporting of it that we want to look at, in the UK in particular. Mm -hmm. So we'll look at that blow by blow a bit later as well. Yeah. Finally, there was one other item. Um, we'll probably start with this one. In fact, the Tucker Carlson in the U in the US mm -hmm. claimed a couple of weeks ago he was being spied on by the NSA that <clears throat> someone had let him know that this was the case. And the way this he presented this on his nighttime show was, well, the person I spoke with, and I'll, I'll, I won't say who it is, but the person I spoke with was able to cite back to me the exact contents of email correspondence I'd had with pe certain people. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was, well, he was, he was the it went viral in the sense that people were interested. It is definitely a newsworthy story. Mm -hmm. He was laughed out of the park by his correspondent colleagues in Washington and elsewhere. Uh, the NSA either doesn't do that or why would they have interest in you mm -hmm. or et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, he's since given an update this week, I think three days ago. And the update was in the form of, again, another insider friend of his who let him know that he had been, not just that his emails now had been looked at, but that his name had been unmasked and it was about to be leaked to certain members of the Washington Press Corps what the contents of the emails were. So he preempted that by just announcing three nights ago that the emails in particular, the subject matter was he was trying to line up an interview with Dun, dun, dun. Vladimir Putin, the 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 arch, the arch, arch nemesis of America, white himself. supremacist of the universe. Yes, himself. Um, yeah. And this uh, was obviously serious, a serious. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a crime, really. I suppose, from the point of view of the the Washington establishment. Well, I suppose so. It's happened before, though. CNN I suppose so. But him. four weeks ago, ahead of the Biden Putin summit. Right. NBC's Kara Simmons right. interviewed the Vlad 
So published on YouTube, unedited. I don't think I watched the whole thing. I don't see. Any, I think they just yeah, played what they got. And the Russians, as usual, whenever and it happens frequently, it's actually several times a year that an American Washington typically correspondent gets an audience with Vladimir Putin. And the rush, the deal is the Russians get their copy too. And mm -hmm. if there's anything edited or taken out of context, right. they will play their version broadcast presumably on RT or Sputnik. Mm -hmm. And everyone's happy. That's been a long-standing deal throughout this entire hysteric hysteria about Putin and Russia. Mm -hmm. They've nevertheless conducted business as normal mm -hmm. when it counts mm -hmm. at summits, rare as they are, right. or usually leading up to summits, interviews with mm -hmm. Putin. So a month ago it happened. No one preempted Kara Simmons's interview. It just was announced that it had happened yeah, and published. It was, it was no big deal, basically. No big so deal. why is Tucker Carlson's perspective interview with Putin a big deal? Why is it a source of spying on on Carlson? I mean, that's probably not unusual because I'm pretty sure the, oh, yeah, the, the NSA back. knows pretty much what every reporter or journalist of note in Washington, D.C. and around breakfast. the country is doing. And a lot of them, a lot of the reporters themselves know it. They have yeah. close relations with the intelligence community because that's where they get all their scoops from, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a long-standing relationship uh, going back. You're probably, you probably… As know, Leonard Cohen sings, everybody knows. Yeah. So, but but in this case, the unmasking of his name and the threat dangling in the air of a smear campaign against yeah. him to pitch him in some kind of negative light or some kind of commie sympathizer or supporter or anti-American, whatever to preempt uh, and presumably disrupt it from happening. But, and that's before it even happened. So they obviously assumed that he, the way he was going to interview Putin or the content of the discussion was not going to be the same as the way CNN or any other the more. Uh, that's the only thing I can think. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll never know, really. But it's interesting uh, that they were planning to do that. And it just gives an insight into the fact that the NSA and the intel agencies in the US, including the FBI, obviously, who uh, that they, you know, for a long time have been had their, you know, kept close, kept a close eye on what appears in the media and what receives or what is received by the uh, by the American public in terms of information or their dose of reality on any given day. And they were concerned about this one. So, I mean, people have that, that's an a reason why everybody should have serious questions about what they read or listen to or or watch uh, from the mainstream media in any given day because it's, about, it's it's being it's being tweaked and you know adjusted and massaged in a particular direction in order to present a particular picture of any given topic that is not necessarily reflective or fully reflective of what's actually happening or the way things actually are mm -hmm. and i mean that's a, a I don't know. I mean, I've always, the reason we do the things that we do is because we're interested in what things are, what's really happening, what, what the closest approximation to what the real truth of any given situation actually is. And I have to assume that, I don't know, to the extent that ordinary people, other people know that the messaging they get from the mainstream media is biased uh, and they don't care suggests to me that those people don't really care. They're not interested and in, they don't have the same interest that we have and, and other people, but certainly a minority of people have in that, in, in the unvarnished truth about things. A lot of people, perhaps most people, prefer a biased version of events, one that fits their own internal makeup or their own internal belief system, whatever. They're not interested in the truth, uh, whatever it mm -hmm. might be. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. Uh, it would be fine if everybody in the entire planet felt like that. I mean, it wouldn't actually be fine because given the nat natural differences in makeup between people, you're going to have divisions, right? You're going to have one group of people getting the messaging that reflects their views, another person, another group of people getting the messaging that reflects their group, their views, and then they're going to be in conflict of, of some type, you know? 
But then, and that is what's happening, obviously, right? Left, right, divide, all that kind of stuff. But then there's us left in the middle going, you know, well, what's the real truth, though? You've got the lefty view, you've got the righty view, but what's, what's really going on, you know? Well, Tucker, let's put him as right wing, yeah. had on to discuss this, Glenn Greenwald, let's put him as left wing. Right. Very much anti-Bush, right. anti-wars, torture, yeah, spying, sure. yeah, etc. Sure. He was definitely left. He still says, I'm left. But he is going on Tucker's show frequently. Right. And they find a common ground around these topics. Right. So maybe we can have a listen to that. Um, he gave a very good um, rundown of some other recent examples of the kind of subversion that takes place in the United States. Is it the first? Is it this one? Yes, it's this one here, yeah. In the meantime, we're happy to have one of the very few people in American journalism who understood exactly what was going on long before most of us did and wrote about it extensively. He is Glenn Greenwald, who writes on Substack, and he's a frequent guest on the show. We're honored to say, Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. So I think there are a couple of levels here. I have learned in the last week that in Washington, the fact that the federal government is reading your emails is no big deal, and, and you're like a nutcase for even noting it or being bothered by it. There's no expectation of privacy whatsoever. But I think, and you would know, but the federal law is pretty clear on this, if NSA captures information sent privately by an American citizen, they have to keep that citizen's identity secret unless they go through a process to, quote, unmask it. So it seems very clear to me that they did exactly what they're not allowed to do. Yeah, I think there's two important components. One is the first one that you just referenced, which is that if they were doing this perfectly legally, meaning they intercepted your email communications with legal authority because you were talking either to the Russian government, which they obviously are allowed to spy on, or to a target in the United States who you, you were using as an intermediary, and they learned that way that you were communicating with the Russians about the possibility of an interview with Putin, they have the legal obligation to conceal your identity and make sure that nobody knows that you were the one that was speaking to the Russians. The intelligence that they care about is that the Russians were doing something, not with whom they were speaking. So clearly, there was either a failure to hide your identity as required by law, which is illegal, or an attempt to unmask it after it was minimized, which also would be a crime, given that there's no national security justification for doing it. You know, there's something much more serious, Tucker, which is when the NSA spies on American citizens speaking to foreign nationals or foreign officials, even when it's legal, that's a, a very great power. So there are real limits on what they can do with that. It is one of the gravest crimes in the U.S. code to, for the NSA to leak the contents of communications that it intercepts between a foreign official and an American citizen. And I think one of the things that got overlooked is that in 2017, when General Flynn, who was in the crosshairs of the entire deep state under Obama, was speaking with Ambassador, Ambassador Kislyak, they leaked the contents of that communication, intercepted communications between a Russian official and the incoming national security advisor to the Washington Post. It was as grave of a crime as it gets under the U.S. code to this day. Not only don't we know who did the leaking, no one cares because they hate General Flynn. They're, he's not their ideology, and therefore they think it's justified. That's the reaction here. Oh, it's Tucker Carlson. He's a conservative. We don't like him, and so we don't even care if the NSA was doing this, but it is illegal to do either of those two things. Well, and, and Flynn, I mean, and, I don't, and it's not an attack on Flynn or, or anything, but like so many people, he was under attack and he went on the defensive and then he remained silent and he didn't articulate his own case and maybe his lawyers told him not to or something. 
But if you are persistent in demanding, look, as an American citizen, you may not like my politics, but you're not allowed to violate my rights and break the law. I mean, I wonder if you could force them to admit what happened and then you could force some accountability. I mean, no one in these agencies, Brennan, Clapper, they lied under oath before Congress. We played the tape a thousand times. Nobody cares. Nobody does anything. Could you actually force the system to hold these unaccountable leaders accountable for once? The problem is there are so many doctrines that the secure, this security state has existed since the end of World War II. They've been operating in secret and with no democratic accountability for eight or nine decades now. Dwight Eisenhower, when he left office, warned the country about the dangers that they pose. So, so many times when people have gone to sue the NSA for illegally spying on them, they have doctrines that they use. They'll say... It's too secret. We can't have courts looking into what we did because that will jeopardize national security and then courts dismiss the lawsuit. Or they'll say Tucker Carlson can't prove that we actually spied on him. Therefore, he has no standing to sue and courts will dismiss that as well. The remedy here is for Congress. It's Congress's responsibility to exercise right. oversight how the executive branch spies on people. And for so long, Congress has been either afraid of the, 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 the NSA and the CIA or worse, subservient to them. And you're right, it has been the Republican Party, along with Democrats, that has long venerated these agencies. And only under Trump did they start to realize, actually, these agencies interfere in our politics and threaten our democracy in really pernicious ways. And it, they need to take that knowledge that they learned over the last five years and use it to get to the bottom of what happened here. So I spoke to, and this is not speculation, this is a conversation I had personally face-to-face -face with I, uh, someone I thought was a very powerful member of the committee that oversees the intelligence agencies in Congress. I can't be more specific, but uh, this is a true story. Two years ago, told me to my face that his communications were being monitored by the intel agencies, the ones that he was supposed to be overseeing and that he didn't dare text me because he knew they were reading his text. And I thought to myself, this system is completely dysfunctional. If the person who's supposed to be holding them accountable is afraid of them, then who's in charge here? It sounds like they are. Duh. We, we learned, this is one of the big scandals of the Obama administration, that when the Senate Intelligence Committee was investigating the CIA and their role in the interrogation program at Guantanamo and elsewhere, John Brennan, CIA, spied on the leader of that Senate investigation, which was Dianne Feinstein. The CIA was spying on the Senate as the Senate was investigating the CIA. The, the most significant exchange, I think I've talked about this on your show before, was three days before Trump was inaugurated. Chuck Schumer went on the Rachel Maddow show. And Rachel Maddow was very upset mm -hmm. that Trump was insulting the CIA because she loves the CIA. And Chuck Schumer said the thing you're not supposed to say aloud, which is Trump is being stupid because everyone knows that if you challenge the intelligence community, they have six different ways to Sunday to get back at you. And that's exactly what they proceeded to do over the next four years was undermine his administration. People in Washington are petrified of the security state, and that's why they exist with no democratic accountability. Well, we have to push back. And by the way, if they find yeah. a meth lab in my basement, it's not real, just so you know. <laughs> just kidding, sort of. Glenn Greenwald, I'm sure you've been worried about that for years. <laughs> Yeah, he still keeps his humor in the middle yeah. of that's like yeah. that attitude is. Yeah, he, he's just hitting hard every week, every day, every week. Yeah, and it's all absolutely true. And like, yeah, you know, there, there's no there's no conspiracy theory about any of that. But I love that because they they fleshed out together what's supposed to happen. Well, yeah. normally, okay, we've got the branches of government. This is how people think government works. There is a recourse normally, 
But everyone's petrified. The powerful people who have the recourse cannot use it. They cannot exercise themselves. And mm -hmm. as Grant Greenwald explained, this isn't recent. This has been no, an ongoing. Yeah, I mean, it's been there. Quo. It's like some. It's like something that I mean, the idea of trying to regulate it now, get Congress to to do something about the the, the, the influence and, and illegality of the intelligences and basically running the country and controlling government, to do something about it now that it's come to light. It's like, well, I think you might have to go back maybe 70 years to, to stop that from be even beginning. And the fact that it's been going for 70 years, you think you're going you're gonna to right. upend such an entrenched way of, of, of operating. Uh, you know, for, Formally, for that so is the case. And Legally, constitutionally. The vast majority of them in Congress are okay with it. Yeah. You know, they know they can do nothing about it. Like, you know, Diane Dan, uh, Feinstein, you know, John Brennan spying on her while she's meant to be investigating basically him. Uh, you know, they meet up in Capitol Hill or they meet in some, in some, some locale somewhere where, where these politicians hang out in Washington, D.C., John Brennan just goes up to, or, or anybody from the CIA just go up to, goes up to Diane Feinstein or anyone else in Congress and says, uh, so did you, did you enjoy your cornflakes for breakfast this morning? Yeah. And no offense. And she knows that, uh, <laughs> that yeah, she knows what she had for breakfast, basically. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's the only thing you have, that's all you have to say, really, to, to, to put that kind of pressure. But yeah, I mean, that's why I find this kind of stuff, like them, it, as good as it is that Tucker Carlson is addressing that kind of stuff, it's like... Horse is bolted, man. What are, I you, know. what are you going to do? Like? I know, but he's, the, he's their last... He's their last sane mainstream source. But how many people would, do you think would have, actually have a problem with that in America? This is a big problem. This is the problem, and this is a problem that nobody ever talks about. I'd say about. most do. Well, might give lip service to it being a problem. Most but are behind aware. the scenes... Yeah, if they're aware of it and made aware of it, and some of them certainly were made aware of it. You look I'd at say Trump... Half. You look, at, you look at Trump, like, you know, and the spying on Trump and all that kind of stuff. There was no outcry, certainly from the leftist media, there was no outcry. Um, and it, I don't think there was much of an outcry or much of a, a, a complaint amongst a lot of certainly left-leaning Americans against that. And even right-leaning Americans uh, might not have had too much of a problem because there's this kind of like schizophrenic kind of attitude towards government which is like you know it's either you know leave me alone and let me do my thing keep government out of my life but also i need government some a kind of a deeper emotional need for that kind of an authority in your life for a lot of people and a lot of people experience that so when they hear certainly a decent percentage of the population when they hear that the government is spying on you what they actually hear is the government in, in its benevolence is paying very close attention to your life and to what's going on in your life and the implication is obviously that they're doing it for benevolent reasons that they want to take care of you right and it's mommy or daddy taking care of me the idea the, the big the kind of deal breaker and all of that would be if, I, if people were able to come to the conclusion that government actually isn't well intentioned towards me then if they're spying on me, it's a big problem and they need to get the hell out of my life and we need to have protests or whatever. But if it's understood as being ultimately that government is a benevolent force in my life, well then, a bit closer, sure, why not? I might feel a bit more secure, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, hence also the response to the pandemic. The pandemic has dropped on, on the entire world into people's minds, basically, and they're afraid. And what do kids do when they're afraid? They run to mommy and daddy, and who's mommy and daddy for the vast majority of adults? Well, I'm, I, I would say a majority of adults on this planet uh, who, 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 don't, who shouldn't have a mommy and daddy, but they do. 
It's government. But there's a lie within that lie because the government that they call mommy and daddy, that they get angry about when Boris Johnson doesn't do enough or something, isn't really the mommy and daddy. It's a surrogate mommy and daddy for so, something else. Well, that's well, the only one they've got, though. What do you mean a surrogate for what? Well, Tucker Carlson explains this is how mommy and daddy are supposed... Uh, who they're supposed to be, public officials, how they're supposed to behave, and then explains by implication, laying it all out like that, they're not your real parents. Your real parents are these sick people in the backgrounds who right. demonstra demonstratively do harm, demonstrably do harm to you in the course of caring for you. And they go, well, a lot, a lot of them do go, you're right, actually, they're not my real mommy and daddy. No, but I mean symbolic mommy and daddy in right. that sense. You know what I mean? People have this need for some authority. You know, mommy and daddy is a symbolic representation of our, our government is a symbolic representation of mommy and daddy when your real mommy and daddy can't help you. Obviously, they're elderly people or they're dead or whatever. They're not there to help you. And you're an adult. You might be able to take care of yourself. But people, adults in this world in, in different, different situations feel like children. No more so when the threat or the, the, the reality or the, a threat to their lives is posed them. And this, obviously, we talked about this previously about uh, the lead up to COVID, almost like a preparation in a certain sense, a psychological preparation of the, of the population, certainly in Western countries, for... Uh, the the pandemic in order to to put them in the right frame of mind was fifteen years more twenty or twenty years almost of periodic terror and a, a spreading from government of a sense of insecurity in society that necessitates government control and oversight over people's lives in, in an increasing way and then it uh, the boom really dropped with with uh, with the covid. You know what I mean? Because there's no difference. From a psychological, from an unconscious, deeper psychological, emotional point of view, the terror threat is no different from COVID, the pandemic. Why? Because both of them imply in, you know, to different degrees, a threat of death to the people, to the population, to each individual and to large numbers of them. And, and that's why the pandemic was crazy because terrorism just says there's a chance that some crazy terrorist will blow up a building and you'll be in it. Your, your chances of avoiding that are pretty good. But drop the pandemic, it's like, they literally said, like we said at the beginning of the show, or, or they conveyed to the population that everybody, you, every single person, you're, from your grandparents to you, to your children, to your grandchildren, are all potentially in a line of fire with this. I, yeah. You're all going to die. I mean, they may as well have said, you're all going to die. Yeah. I mean, you had that experience right after the first uh, pandemic was, was launched just a few days, you're up in one of the local stores and you kind of like tried They're to... very nice. Try, this is the very same day. You tried to convey to the, the lady in the store as you were at the checkout uh, that uh, this was a bit, a bit gently, a little bit like, overstated. Gosh, it's going crazy. Things are a bit crazy out there. Aren't they? Her, People were panic buying toilet paper and yeah. stuff at the time. And she took a step back from me, horrified look on her face, and she said, but people are dying. People are dying. How dare you? You... you Conscienceless, brute. I've got some answers to that story. now, but at the time I was just okay. And then she slid the card back to me and stepped back again. Yeah, as if like yeah. It was Karen. It's, it's become a meme now, but she was like Karen one hundred and one on day one. Right. Yep. She was ready. So yeah, that's the problem for me. That's a problem that's never spoken about, and it goes to the heart of all sorts of things in society. Divisions in society. You know, it's all about how people view 
themselves in the world and in relation to life and the broad scheme of life and how able they feel they're able to navigate life and all the difficulties and dangers of life. And there's a, a broad spectrum of people, uh, you know, a lot, but there's everybody on the planet is along that spectrum somewhere and there are different points on it. And that for me is a fundamental kind of dividing principle and the reason why you're having divisions between people. Uh, it's between ultimately people who feel that they're able to look after themselves and navigate life themselves. They're mature enough to do it and they don't need symbolic mommy and daddy in the form of government to, you know, nitpick them and control the minutiae of their lives and other people who absolutely want government to do that. And those two types of people, when they discuss social policies or government policies around, you know, health, you know, health crises or, or, or security are clearly going to have very, a very contentious discussion and they're not going to agree ever. Mm -hmm. So don't be, I mean, it's an insoluble problem. There's no way to solve that problem. Yeah. But except that's not to say that those different kinds of people can't live together. They can live together in a normal, peaceable society that is run by a government that isn't bent on exerting overweening control over the population through the transmission of fear-based messaging and all the rest. If you remove the government, the, 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 the corrupt government factor, then those kinds of people can live together in a society, but they can't when they're under the thumb of that kind of a government. Amen. Let's take a look now at some recent examples of well, let me, governments. Go on. Let's go straight to something that speaks to what I just said, sort of. It's the Twitter video, Australian government. Can we do that now? Yeah, yeah, sure. <clears throat> Where is it? <clears throat> Where is it? It's going to be probably halfway along. Let's see. It's That's the one. So this is an Australian government advertisement, presumably broadcast on television as well as here on online. Today, literally yesterday or today. Let's have a watch. Go full screen there. That authorised by the Australian government, Canberra. Is authorised by the Australian government, Canberra. It is also complete. I have no compunction about saying this. It's complete and utter bullshit. That is complete. That is pure bullshit, lies of the worst kind, propaganda. It has, in, in terms of the messaging of what that, that, I mean, no words except a bit of text at the end and just that image of that woman and, and you know, mm -hmm. linking it to COVID and the need to get vaccinated is complete and utter bullshit. And I will, you know, I can, I can absolutely 100% defend that. And I hope you, anybody listening to this knows that that is complete and utter bullshit. And that is nefarious, disgusting propaganda that is a product of the kind of government that I just spoke about. So I just spoke about. The idea that, because the, the idea conveyed there is that you, anybody watching this, could end up like this woman. That's simply not true. Yeah. It's a tiny, tiny percentage of the population who would end up like that woman. Whose characteristics are extremely well known. Right. Globally. And we've talked about it before in previous shows. 
the effects of COVID, who it affects, and, you know, it's just disgusting. Yeah. And it, that's the kind of government that I'm talking about, and that is the problem in society today. All other problems in society stem from a government that would put out that kind of advertisement, and that's a Western government, put out that kind of advertisement in the current climate, at, particularly at, this, at the current time. And it's purely to get people to vaccinate uh, themselves, to, to terrify them into getting vaccinated. Yeah. And the, what, it's even worse if you only even, even for people who would, you know, be fully on board with the way co- the, the, the pandemic has been described. It's, it's even egregious for them because the Australian government has not provided anywhere near enough vaccinations for the entire population. Yet they put out that kind of advertisement, like terrifying people, you need to get a vaccination or you might end up like this poor woman. But you can't. And, you, especially and young people scarce. go down and they can't get it. You're not allowed to get it. It's not available for you to get it. So what does that achieve? I mean, it's pure fear-based programming. It's trying to terrify the population and giving them no recourse, in the, in the case of Australia, no recourse to actually alleviate their fear. Yeah. What do you call that? That's pathology. That's that's a pathocracy. That's a psychopathic government that anybody who are either completely deranged and totally lost the plot who would put put out that kind of government messaging. Anyway, it's bullshit, like I said. It's bullshit. The only way in which that could be accurate is if you switched out COVID-19 with government. Yeah. Government causes you to be in the state because if you like, I mean, that's not a wild thing because if you look at the trajectory of those who did end up on the respirators last year yeah, with lung oxygen forced into the lungs before someone pointed out, you know what? This is actually counterproductive. It's actually killing people. Stop using ventilators. And then they show them on a ventilator and say get a vaccine to stop when people be on ventilators. But when it's shouldn't. long been established that, that ventilators don't help. Right. And in a lot of cases, especially in, in, in relatively mild, mild COVID cases, it just, it doesn't even, there's no point in trying to analyze that bullshit. It's just yeah. pure bullshit. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, where are we segueing well, to Well, that's now? the most extreme and graphic example we wanted to show of government... Bullshit. Bullshit. And overreach. You know, bullshit is better. Yeah. Here's one from Spain this week. Okay, this, this is not in law yet. Um, it's the one from El País, so the country's largest newspaper, their English online version. Draft emergency legislation allowing state to mobilize all adults in times of crisis. Okay, let's go down a bit. We'll just read some of this. Attention, citizens, you will mobilize. It really is all summarized in these three paragraphs. Thereafter, they explained the legal routes of how they <clears throat> might go about it. But this is the announcement nationwide for Spain, imminent upcoming legislation. All adults will be required to provide, quote, personal services to the state if a crisis is ever declared in Spain, according to the reform of the national security law being prepared by the government. The draft legislation, which incorporates lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic, indicates that all citizens, extra clause added, without exception, must follow the orders and instructions of the relevant authorities if a state of crisis or situation of interest to national security (laughs) is declared. The reform also states that the authorities can temporarily requisition all types of assets, take over or temporarily occupy those that are needed, and suspend all activity. Citizens who are economically harmed by these actions have the right to compensation. Can go and pound sand. Can go and take a walk off a pier. 
Attention citizens. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. You will be required to provide personal services to the state immediately. Please give up your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> so compliance is is required. What kind of bullshit is that? It's Nazi level. Is this going to be a bullshit show? Everything I'm hearing so far is bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like not what you're saying. I mean, all the stuff that we're analyzing is bullshit. Can we not just call everything bullshit? Let's just put up every single uh, every single tab that we've got and say this is bullshit and here's some more bullshit and here's some more bullshit. Uh, yeah. Well, let's. It, you said it's only on the book. It's only a draft, right? Yeah. But we can obviously rely on the oversight within the Spanish uh, Parliament to uh, put the kibosh in that and say that is totally unconstitutional. That would, right? Tell me, it's tell me that's right, Neil. No. Well, what's right. more likely to happen is that that was something that was seeded. They'll climb down from that in terms of some kind of reaction or backlash, and then some watered-down version of it will pass, but with carrying the same implications. The point with these kinds of stories, I think, is just to see the yeah. idea and the compliance, the level of compliance that we expect from you. We may not well, actually that's, that's require it of you, but yeah. psychologically. But it's super Orwellian. Like, it's crazy bullshit language. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, FYI, I'm going to use bullshit a lot this on the show. Uh, sit, uh, if, so they all, less, it incorporates lessons learned from the coronavirus pandemic and it indicates that all citizens, without exception, must follow the orders and instructions of relevant authorities, whatever orders they decide to give, right? In a state of crisis or... A situation of interest in national security. So that's all you have to say. The government say uh, there's actually been a situation of uh, interest in national security. So every citizen in Spain is now required to provide personal services. Uh, personal services. We will def define what that actually means later on, or you may find out when we come to your house and tell you what the personal services are. Uh, Today we will have a change of underwear. Yeah, you have a change with you, and you have a change with you. Up, 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 <laughs> up, up, up. Right, March. It's uh, yeah. We're there, like it's it's that's where it we're at. Well, it could yeah, it definitely could go there. I mean, I'm not changing underwear with anybody. I'll, <laughs> that's a hell I'll die on, like you know. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, crazy. So that's in in maybe that's a one off. Maybe maybe that was just like well, no, someone at Alpay's rush. No, <laughs> rush yeah, to print. but I think it's interesting because the fact that they say that it uh, is informed by lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, that right there is. Lessons learned are, well, most people comply to the hilt and some. So yeah. why don't we just put this on the books? Yeah, exactly. But it's using, it's a scary move into using what was just, I suppose, a pandemic that just came out of nowhere. Well, it came out of a lab, right? That's, you're allowed to say that it came out of a lab. A pandemic that came out of a lab, uh, science did it. So follow the science back to the lab where the virus came from and uh, and then you know, call it out for what it is, but they're using a, just a, oops, pandemic, let's just protect the elderly too. Suddenly it's like... We can mobilize anything at any time. Everybody and everything shut the country down. No nobody, no, no entitlements, no, no more rights, basically. Well, uh, from the totalitarian desk, let's play the Fauci, the, not the Fauci, uh, they're very similar in my mind, Fauci and Biden, uh, but Biden. Let's play Biden, the Biden video clip. Um... Scotty, um, yeah, this is Biden the other day. Coronavirus. In today's briefing, vaccines. We, di we discussed how our administration is going to devote the remainder of the summer 
to a special focus on five ways to make gains in getting those of you who are unvaccinated vaccinated. Because here's the deal. He's reading from a prompter. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot for that matter if they need a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood. And oftentimes, door to door, literally knocking on doors. Hello. To get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. Look, in addition to these initiatives to continue to vaccinate the unvaccinated, we're stepping up our preparations to respond to the outbreaks we're going to see among the unvaccinated. Uh -huh. That, we're mobilizing what I'm calling COVID-19 surge response team. These teams are made up of experts from FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, Ooh. CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and elsewhere across our government, other groups. And they're going to help uh -huh. states that have particular problems prevent, detect, and respond to the spread of the Delta variant among unvaccinated people in communities with low vaccination rates. A COVID emergency rapid response uh, action team America team. <laughs> team America. Uh, who, so basically, it brings up some questions. He's specifically saying unvaccinated places in America that are unvaccinated, we're going to have a team that's going to respond, apart from going around knocking on people's doors and saying, have you been vaccinated? Or probably, which is probably going to, when that happens, it'll be a disingenuous question because they're knocking on doors of people they know who, is, mm -hmm. who aren't vaccinated, which is a violation of their privacy. Because you're not government isn't meant to know isn't allowed to pry into your medical records, but they're going to, they obviously are, are clearly going to or are already prying into people's medical records a violation of their you know constitutional rights. Uh, but they're also going to have teams going around the country, rapid response reaction, COVID response reaction team, Team America, Team America, going to different places around the world where again they have identified unvaccinated people through breaching their privacy rights and doing what? Who don't know? I don't know what they're going to do to them, but they're going to places where they've identified people who, a lot of people in a town or a city who haven't been vaccinated, go to those specific places, uh, including the DHS and other branches of government, other areas of government. So who knows, FBI, who knows, whatever, I don't know. Um, and they're going to do what? They're going to identify the spread of COVID among unvaccinated people and what? He said to two take things you once. Uh, take, you, take you somewhere for a vaccination or put make you, you an offer you can't refuse. Put you in a safe place, safe, safe space maybe. I don't know. I'd love to see them. I, let's just see. It won't get off the ground, I don't think. Because the places they're going to go are going to be overwhelmingly yeah. places where Americans Well, they're not are, having it, yeah. Yeah, or armed as well. Yeah. Which isn't to suggest that they'll resort to gunfights first off, but... They're going to get short shrift. Yeah. Um, you would hope. He said two things at once. He conflated the two. He said, we're targeting low vaccination areas. Okay, you're not supposed to know that. But the second thing is something they would have an eye on is areas where there's been COVID-19 outbreaks. Right. Of the Delta suggesting, Right. Suggesting that the two would overlap. Oh, well, of course. I, yeah. But, well, that's bullshit. Again, this is bullshit. Here's another example of bullshit. This is more bullshit from Biden. Because look at Scotland right now. And even before this, in, 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 in different places in the UK, the number of COVID cases among uh, those vaccinated those vaccinated outstrips the number of COVID cases among the unvaccinated. So that's not to say 
obviously, if a lot more people are vaccinated than unvaccinated, of course, there's going to be a, probably a greater number of people among the vaccinated who have symptoms of COVID. But that the problem there is that it kind of blows the whole thing, the, the, the idea that unvaccinated are the problem or that they're in danger and need saving from the government out of the water because it's clearly not the case because large numbers of people just in recent days, and it'll probably continue over this uh, the rest of the summer and into the fall, large numbers of people who have had double, triple, quadruple shots are still coming down, quote-unquote, with COVID and ending up in hospital or ending up with symptoms and reporting them to their doctor. So what, what, uh, where, where, where does that leave your vaccine? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> well, they're not, they're not dying. Can you imagine what would happen? They're, maybe they're going to hospital, they have symptoms and stuff, but those people, they'd be in serious difficulty if they didn't, if they hadn't received the vaccine. Well, that's kind of nobody's ever going to know, right? Because mm-hmm. they've already had the vaccine. You can't say that. Um, to try to get us to prove a negative. Let's go to the next story because that just speaks to this. They've actually noticed this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a – unlike, say, the vaccine injuries and deaths, which are kind of – there's only one central source for the U.S. And media treatment of it is like just about bashing conspiracy theorists who bring it up. Mm-hmm. But here's a headline <clears> – <throat> SciTech Daily. Um, there we go. Why? Let, asking the question, because clearly it's a phenomenon. Why do we continue to see COVID-19 outbreaks in fully vaccinated care homes? Like, why, why, why is there even an article on that? You could just put the answer in the headline because the vaccines don't work. Is there another explanation? It's not, I'm sure the article tries to give you another explanation, but in answer to that question, why do we continue to see COVID-19 outbreaks in fully vaccinated care homes? How can there be any other answer other than the vaccine doesn't give full protection against getting COVID, which it was meant to, and which is why we're all meant to get it now, because we'll be protected from COVID? Is there another answer in the rest of that article? No, there isn't. Well, they don't say that the vaccine no. doesn't work, though. No, they don't. But they'll say, well, you see, there are different variants. And it seems that some of these sneaky new variants dodge the vaccines. So we're going to upgrade the vaccines. There'll be later variants of the vaccines to counter the variants of COVID-19. And so the cycle could just perpetuate. Booster shots. So we're basically vaccinated every year for, for against COVID forever. Isn't that in, in something That's actually look at? in a, five year plan? next stories. The UK's five-year plan, yeah. Is that like, what was the... The plans they had in the... Yeah, in, in the communist era, the, the Chinese and the Soviets would announce five-year plans yeah. of what they intended to achieve. <laughs> and this was just mocked okay. up the wazoo, both in those countries, of course, and in the West, yeah. because they usually failed or backfired spectacularly because pathocracy, you know, the stated intentions of government policy always produced their opposite results. Is that, and now they shamelessly use the same term. Is that a faux pas of them using that term? Like, I mean, are they just not historically aware that, I mean, that's like... Maybe they <laughs> didn't use it. Let's, let's have a look. Maybe I've used it as shorthand. But they did specifically say... It's, it's northumberlandgazette.co.uk. Be under north. Yeah, there, that's it. Face masks and social distancing could stay for the next five years under COVID winter plan. It's close enough. You could have changed that headline to the five-year plan. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, they're just prepping people for keeping everything going because they want everybody to stay masked forever because this is deadly virus that came, out of, a bit. That came out of a lab. Some of that. Why isn't science being held to account for this? 
I always, like, I was always told to follow the science. Like for the past eighteen months, I've been told all the time to follow the science. But the science is is what's responsible for this this whole situation. No? How can the science solve the problem when they're the ones who created it? How can if, it well, how would you trust <coughs> science to solve a problem when they're the ones who created it? Are we going to get in trouble for saying that on YouTube? Like Probably. suggesting that you shouldn't trust the science. Probably. Because the science if, as presented is unreliable. And it's contradictory. Right. Like this here. I mean, <laughs> wearing face masks and social distancing could remain, could. And it's, it's, it's nothing like, you know, it's, they will be able to defend us and say, well, it's not, you know, a definite claim. We're just, you know, charting a scenario here. Could remain part of life for the next five years. Mm. Maybe. We'll wait and see. We can't promise anything. If you're very, very good, we'll, we'll implement the five-year plan. Scroll down a little bit more. There's one more paragraph I want to read here. Um, a little bit further. Oh, I can't see it anymore here. There it is. Booster there, program. the last one there. The booster program. What the hell is the booster program? I like that. It's like more vaccines for those, quote, fully vaccinated already, the booster program, to be announced for later this year, comes as scientists believe that the virus will be here to stay for many years to come and countries will have to learn to live with it. Yeah, sure. <coughs> I have no of problem. Course, no, of course, that was always the case we'd have to learn but why to live with it. But, but, yeah, so why are they presenting that as some kind of big revelation? You no know, science has finally discovered that viruses hang around. Don't you have that experience from flu for the past 100 years? Why, why are you revealing that as some, as some, some major breakthrough? what's going on is they're conflating well-known science with government contingencies based on their spinning of the science to justify go continuous government restrictions and yeah. interventions throughout what would have been the old normal yeah. of living with the flu. Yeah. Now it's like, no, well, we'll have to live with you COVID, must though. live with the flu with government sitting on your head. Right. Well, that's for eternity. Well, I'm, for five years. I'm not, I'm not up for that. Like, well, I don't you've, want no, you've no choice. I don't want government sitting on any part of my body. <laughs> they can go and sit on something else. <clears throat> um, a few other government announcements this week. In the UK, there was one. This isn't, this isn't supposedly this is not connected to COVID-19 or uh, saving the population from anything related to viruses. The anti-protest laws reported in the mirror do you have that one scotty we have to go back one i think for that there it is yeah this is this has actually been discussed all year well for several months in the mm -hmm. uk the left going you know this is evil evil tories but yeah how much are they it's it passed in parliament because of the conservative majority <laughs> <laughs> mps back the police and crime bill which will make it illegal to inflict serious annoyance <clears throat> Or noisy protests without reasonable excuse. But the government Punishable has Punishable by 10 years in jail. Yeah, sure. What's 10 years in jail? It's all right. Like, better than... Better than 10 years at than home. Better than 10 years locked in your, in your bedroom. Well, maybe not. Um, it depends on what your bedroom's like. But the government has been inflicting serious annoyance on me for a lot, a lot longer than, you know, and probably a lot... A lot more serious than than anything anybody in the British public could inflict on, on on each other, you know. So, how do I? Is there some recourse to I have like for the serious annoyance that they have inflicted on me? Probably not. Just a question. 
what would you, what would it be like? <laughs> what would it be like? We know what it'd be like. We we've heard from people there, but sure. can you imagine going through this in Ireland? The last eighteen months, of all the countries in the West, for sure, Ireland is leading the tables. It had the, the longest lockdown, and by an index Itten drafted Canada. by Oxford University or someone, they had the strictest, like the Canada, harshest. Yeah. I think, Ireland, the I think Ireland topped <clears throat> even Canada yeah. with its arrests. And, yeah. Uh, no, but, I, the, here's one from this week. So Ireland's in the middle of opening up officially um, because people are apparently majority are getting vaccinated. Um, Unvaccinated under 18s will be allowed to dine indoors with vaccinated adults under latest plans as long as they carry two bell peppers in their back pocket and so, a lucky rabbit's foot up yeah. their nose. Welcome back. We're opening things up. You can go to restaurants for the first time in Ireland in 18 months. But this is an article telling parents with young kids, okay, so we thought about it and here's what we're going to do. You can go out to eat with them. If you're vaccinated, if they're not, well, okay, We'll work something out. Let, let's have a read of it. We'll be allowed. Unvaccinated ridiculous. children will be allowed into bars and restaurants, provided they are accompanied by a vaccinated adult. <laughs> Plans to ensure families can eat indoors during the holiday season are being finalised by government officials and representatives from the holiday, hospitality sector. Being finalised. So the current status quo is still that you cannot... There's no bars and restaurants open, I don't think. There's only another month of the holiday season in Ireland. It's going to be... <laughs> it'll be for next year, if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, so unvaccinated children allowed into restaurants. It's, oh, it's wait, just, wait, look at this one. Among the proposals being considered are that, quote, family units with unvaccinated children may be asked to sit in a separate area of a bar or restaurant where there are spaces of up to two metres between tables. F family units with unvaccinated children. So, okay. So, because why? Because unvaccinated children might spread it to people who are vaccinated. What is the logic behind it? Explain it to me because I'm going to call it bullshit very quickly if you don't explain to me what they're saying. I don't understand any of it. What's the point? How does it make any sense? Well, is it the kids are going to going to infect the whole the, bar? Yes, but but kids don't spread it. Kids, kids are there's literally been no child, no healthy child has died or or and and symptoms. It's it's like heart, basically almost pretty much asymptomatic for the vast vast like I'm talking about ninety nine. Um, pretty much you could say all children, children. I mean you can look it up. Children are effectively healthy. Children are effectively immune from this virus. But they can still give it to grandpa. No, they can't. Which is what they said. No, they can't the because there's no such thing as asymptomatic spread. Fauci right. said that. Right. So explain to me how this makes sense. Children, more or less immune. Therefore, even if they are carrying it, don't spread it because they're not replicating it because their immune systems take care of it very quickly. They can't spread it. And anyway, all the adults in the bar are vaccinated. So a child that doesn't spread a virus is somehow a danger to a vaccinated person. A child that, spread, that doesn't spread... SARS-CoV-2 in a bar is a threat to a vaccinated is a threat adult. to a person who's been vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2. Explain how that makes sense. Does it? It's bullshit. That's complete and utter bullshit. That's, that's absolute bullshit. I mean, I don't know. It's 
it's it's, it's absolute. It's, it's, it's won again. Ireland meets so the far highest the, standards in this pandemic. So far, it's won the prize the for the absolute, most bullshit. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they should be ashamed of themselves. But anyway, they're not. They have no shame. Uh, throw them all into the sea. <laughs> anyway, if there's one silver lining this week. Last two weeks ago, the Russian government, well, more specifically, the Moscow government, Russia versus Russia's federation. So Moscow had its own leeway to. Go full COVID, basically, with allowing indoor dining, like in this kind of way, only if you had a QR code. That, not that you were vaccinated, but that you'd had a negative PCR test or whatever. But the whole gamut, the whole, the overall package, you know, that you're getting in the West, the COVID 1984 package. And this was surprising because up till now, Russian government messaging has been far tamer. Both the messaging and the laws and the restrictions they've, they've put on Russians. However, Moscow separately did announce they were going to go full COVID, but there's been a backlash, and now they're saying they're backing down this week. Quote, for now. What I find interesting is, just and, going back to... But still, if I can just one thing on that. Whether, let's say they don't. It's the gaslighting effect of toying with people. Yeah. They're getting the same psychological pressures and terrorizing effects as anyone else, just by just by virtue of that. Just by announcing it and then it taking it back. It doesn't matter whether it happens there. Yeah, or well, not. it's destabilizing. It's, yeah. it's playing with people's emotions and their you know their minds basically. Um, very very bad parents on this planet. Very bad government parents. They need to go to fucking parenting school or something. Go back to parenting school. Um, on the, the UK, ten years in jail for being annoying. Yeah. Was that what it was? But no, being noisy. Being noisy. And but not, really, it's not noisy. Annoying, anti, something annoying, right? It was something about it being annoying. Annoying disturbance. The word annoying was in there for being annoying. It wouldn't surprise me. The, the Brits have some strange, like, public nuisance. Yeah. Uh, but my, it's, my, it's one of my favourite pastimes to annoy the English people. <laughs> Am I going to get put in jail for doing that? Ten years. Give him ten years, Boris. Uh, At least. Uh, Shut him up. I, I don't know if, there's, if I can go on. There's much point in living anymore if I can't annoy English people. Um, no, I was just going to say that the, them planning that, you know, anti-protest laws, basically anti-demonstration laws, anti-people getting in the street laws, that's basically what it amounts to, you know, and they spin it in different ways. That's for public. It's to protect people and, you know, keep civil society. But it basically, I mean, like they did during the pandemic, they criminalised. I mean, they said you could protest, two, two, up to two people could protest during lockdowns in the UK. Up to two a people a group, out of 60 million? What? No, up, a group of up to two people. Groups of up to two people. <laughs> That's what they said. And there were people out just staying together and police were going along and saying, there's three of you there. You can't protest with three. Two's the max. <laughs> and I'm not joking. There's videos of people actually being accosted by the police saying, there's three of you protesting here about whatever you're protesting, which was probably lockdowns. And they said, three's too many. Two is the max for a protest. And it's like, are you fucking shitting me? Like two people? That's not a protest, you idiot. Anyway, they brought in these laws and France is doing the same thing, has been doing the thing even before the pandemic with uh, they were bringing, I think they were, as a result of the yellow vest protests that were going on before the whole COVID business came down, uh, the, there was a lot of protests against all sorts of things in France and France has a long tradition of protests, you know, mobilization of, of the population to push back against government and France through the kind of last year or whatever has been, uh, there's been protests against it the extent that they could protest against basically a law that was going to curtail 
mass protests or mass demonstrations, you know. So just it's weird that governments would be doing that now when they didn't. I mean, it almost suggests that there's some fear amongst governments of the population or expectation that there may be bigger protests in the future. And this may go back to our little talk about food prices and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the economy has taken a fairly bad dig as a result of these ridiculous lockdowns. So we don't know what the future holds, the near future holds in that respect. But, you know, people should kind of gird their loins a little bit. But it's almost like you could, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to suggest that governments with an eye to maybe there being some social unrest, large scale social unrest in the future for maybe various different reasons. They're putting laws on the books now that criminalize that. Yeah, that's just a. That's using my, my scrying ball. I, I my, think it's my, my, done by the night of the future. Similarly with the um, whatever form it finally takes that law in Spain. Yeah. A lot was left unsaid there. It was left vague in general yeah. because someone's thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking uh, the, the, the movements of large numbers of people right. because of natural disasters, for example. We know that they're thinking about it because it's very much in the literature. Yeah. Of they have the term for they use it as climate migration. Mm -hmm. Now, in the last ten years, when they talk about these big think tanks and whatnot, it's it's the silly scenario of well, the too much CO two, we need a carbon mm -hmm. tax, and then the sea levels will rise slowly, mm -hmm. and coastal cities will be unlivable. There'll be lots of people looking to move inland. Now, it's more like smack. There's a huge earthquake, and suddenly there's a million hungry people with mm -hmm. nowhere to live. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Um, in the immediate effects, right, that's far off, a ways off, let's say, for now. Immediate effects. We talked last week a lot about lockdown effects. So the inadvertent side effects from lockdowns, most of them, some were deliberate, but most were, you know, mm -hmm. accidental, in quotes. Well, this week, there's something that we only touched on briefly, one of the health rebounds in terms of people's illnesses from everything other than COVID. We touched briefly on skyrocketing. Right. Rates of well, skyrocketing. The large numbers of people who are known to have died from cancers, heart disease, um, lung disease, because they were not getting the normal primary healthcare treatment during lockdowns. Well, one of the big rebound effects is going to be viral transmission of other viruses. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. Right. Big thing in the news in many countries in the last week. RSV, respiratory, how do you pronounce that? Respiratory syncytial or syncytial virus. Mm -hmm. Long loan, right? It's got, still got a Wikipedia page that's untampered. So this is the science on RSV before they go and change it. Long since established. RSV is a very common contagious virus that causes infections of the respiratory tract. It is a single-stranded RNA virus, and its name is derived from the large cells known as syncytia or syncytia mm -hmm. that form when infected cells fuse together. RSV is the, the single most common cause of respiratory hospitalization in infants. It's an important pathogen in all age groups because reinfection can occur later in life. There's not necessarily... Um, lifetime natural immunity once you've had it as a kid. Mm -hmm. Infection rates are typically higher during the cold winter months, right? Causing bronchitis in infants, common colds in adults, and more serious respiratory illnesses such as pneumonia in the elderly and immunocompromised. That could have been a description of SARS-CoV-2, but mm -hmm. anyway, that's RSV. It's pretty much the same. 
from that perspective. When you zoom in, there's some small differences, of course. But So that's RSV. So what's happening in the news last week? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the first one. New Zealand and Australia, they're currently in their winter, right? What's going on there? New Zealand children falling Ill, Ill in high numbers due to COVID, quote, immunity debt. Mm-hmm. What kind of rates are we talking about? They've got some statistic down here where they say how, how many they would normally have in hospitals. Um, <clears throat> no, beats me where I saw it. Anyway, it's it caught their attention. The hospitals aren't overrun, and they're not, you know, exaggerating the the, the rhetoric to claim it is, but they're noticing it. Ah, here it is. New Zealand has reported nearly a thousand RSV cases in the past few weeks. The usual average is seventeen hundred over the full twenty nine week winter season. Mm-hmm. Five weeks. The entire winter. It mentions that Australia is also experiencing a surge. Let's look at the next one. I think it's um, also from the Guardian about Australia overcrowding in Victorian hospitals, bigger emergency than COVID in terms of its real world effects on hospitalization rates. Right. This was the thing by they scared the crap out of people with through March and April last year. Mm-hmm. Objectively, on that. Yardstick alone, this RSV issue now in their winter is objectively worse. Right. But well, well, so does that mean they're going to lock use it to lock down and impose the same kind of code restri- restrictions that they imposed for for COVID? Is this the gift that keeps on giving now? Any any health issue, any crisis, any spread of a virus that puts people a bit more people in hospital, then means lockdowns, means everybody cower and terror in their homes. But that's, I mean, that's, it's criminal what, what there's, what, you know, that those stories and there's several of them about, uh, in, in different places. You mentioned four or five different countries. Well, that's, Let's go to the next one. Well, that's happening. The USA. That's oh, just briefly, we'll leave that headline. Look at the headline. This was reported in March 1st. So it was still in the warm mm-hmm. season. So there's, there, there's anomalous stuff we need to be like paying attention to here. Um, Forget the case, the case demic of COVID. Viral transmission is always down in the summer, and that includes SARS CoV 2. Because it's It's not a conspiracy theory to say that the testing of the PCR testing was picking up dead material in those positive cases in the summer. Mm -hmm. But in this case, there are actual illnesses being picked up in the summer. When right. it's not supposed to. Okay, right. so that's the but that's because there's a, there is a viral spread. There is a it, it, it viruses are, are seasonal. Respiratory viruses are seasonal, but they're still around in the summertime. But if you've just locked children down and kept them out of playgrounds and out of developing, you know, boosting and developing their immune system for almost eighteen months or a year, okay, New Zealand wasn't locked down for that long, but certainly there's a lot of same kind of effects. Similarly, uh, in, in, in terms, strict. In terms of the way people change their lives, and interactions. It's, it's not just that there's, whether or not there's a government-imposed lockdown. It's the way people behave and how yeah. careful they are in keeping children away from other children, keeping children away from other people. That does not help to develop a child's immune system. So even in the summertime, if there's something floating around, children are more susceptible to it because of lockdown. And again, it's criminal because children were never in any danger from this virus. So and now they are. From and now else. they are from something else. They've created a problem that wasn't there as a result of bullshit. 
bullshit. Next article, AP picks up on the same issue in the U.S. In summertime. Cold weather virus in summer baffles doctors. It baffles you. Yeah. Well, how in it? You really baffled? Yeah, they're super baffled. We should have a picture of a baffled doctor there. Does this just show how baffled they are about the fact that cold weather virus in summer baffles the doctors when uh, the entire population of the US was basically locked down for a year and a half and therefore their immune systems were, you know, compromised or, you know, well, uh, not as strong and therefore cold weather viruses that are around in summertime but not very prevalent are going to have an, a, a disproportionate effect or unusually large uh, significant effect on the population because their immune systems have been compromised because they were locked down. But are you an epidemiologist, Joe? What do you I know. know? Well, I retract everything I just said because yeah. I'm not a, an You can't explain no. yourself. Well, that's okay because... I'm, I donated next... my brain to science already. Uh, Our next article will explain. For research. A real doctor will explain. Go exactly on ahead. Get me a real doctor on there so you can say it. Okay, so this is an article, Bangkok, Bangkok Post. Um, uh, hang on. As a Bangkok doctor. Well, no, it's, it's actually... It's, it's actually I'm, not, um, I'm not doing that. It's syndicated with the Washington Post. It's actually a Washington Post article. I couldn't get it from there because it's behind a okay. paywall. All right. Well, if the Washington the, Post says it, then all right. It's, first, it notes that this RSV uh, uptick uh, is also ha happening in France and Japan. Okay, so then it goes on to explain. So we'll have okay, Let, New Zealand, France, Japan, and... Australia, America, and Australia, and Bangkok as well. Where does we want to start? I want to start in the U.S. Scroll down some more. Um, Scroll down to the to the Bangkok doctor. Here we go. There we go. So these paragraphs explain it all. So in the U.S., the CDC issued a warning in early June about increased case of this RSV virus in the South, because that's where it was first detected, in the warm South of the United States, after a low-year activity. How low? Well, I don't know if they explain it here, but elsewhere I've read the RSV detection. I don't know. Is it due to testing or symptoms of actual sick kids? Whatever. I've heard it's as low as 99%. Like the flu, it disappeared in the last 18 months. Anyway. So dropped off the map, and now the CDC warned that it's returning. Deaths caused by pneumonia, a common complication of viral infections, last year in Japan fell by more than 17,000, far outweighing, outweighing 3,466 deaths attributed to COVID. As a result, Japan's overall mortality fell last year for the first time in more than a decade. Yay, lockdowns! Lockdowns stop people dying. You see, that's the whole point. The whole point of lockdowns is to stop people dying. dying. People must not die ever again, and that's why we need to continue with lockdowns. I mean, it makes complete sense. There's objective, <laughs> objective data from Japan. Last year, lockdown stopped. What's that total? Something like about 13,000 people. 13,000 people are alive today because of lockdowns that wouldn't be alive if we didn't have lockdowns. Therefore, we have to have lockdowns. All the people who died because of lockdowns are irrelevant. But now, so, far more are going to die because of the interruption of viral transmission of ordinary seasonal viruses. Okay. And this is only the beginning. Right. Let's continue to read this. So this is bullshit as well then. Because it may have been borrowing from the future by creating greater room for viruses to run rampant later. But that's what science is meant to do. Robert Cohen, a creating professor of pediatric research in Paris, calls this the immunity debt. But it, isn't that... Yeah. But isn't no, this, is, this is the Go explanation ahead. right here. Okay. said, 
Cohen said the hygiene measures adapted during the pandemic bring an, an immediate and indisputable benefit. That was the good news we saw earlier. Hey, these people lived because common illnesses have been suppressed. But at some point, almost all children are going to get RSV, chickenpox, and other viruses that cause colds, which could mean larger outbreaks than the bugs make up for lost making time. Making up for lost time, yeah. So the poor bugs got a hard deal last year and now they're making up for lost time. But it says they're just scroll up a tiny bit, Scotty. That's enough. Uh, it says it may have been borrowing from the future by creating room for viruses to run rampant later. Isn't that what people in labs who tinker with viruses, isn't that what, what they actually want? They want the, isn't that what they're doing, basically, is creating room for virus, viruses to run rampant, or at least modeling situations where viruses run rampant? That's, that's the whole idea. Of, in order to do something to well, mitigate or point. prevent it down the road. Well, in theory, that's the whole point of gain-of-function research, right? So you soup up a virus in a lab in order to model how it might run rampant later. And this is a real-world example of how it happened, right? right? And again, this came from a lab. So these people... Well, no, RSV is naturally occurring. No, that, but... There's no vaccine a, for it. it. Right. But it's a virus, right? And uh -huh. so any virus that gets out and runs rampant, uh, and ideally that has some gain of, gain of function to it, which the SARS-CoV-2 has, obviously, because, you know, it has these, this increased severity and stuff, uh, and it came from a lab, that's a job well done for those people in, in those labs, no? I'm not following you. So they, 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 well, it kind of it kind of implies that, that that their job they just went live with their the experiments right. that they run. Like I mean, their whole job in in gain of function research on viruses in labs is to increase the virulence or the strength or the you know uh, ability to, to to reproduce whatever of viruses in order to to get an idea of of, of what that would look like, but. They can't really know what it would look like. They can see it in a lab and they keep it in a lab and then they try and maybe come up with some ideas of how to combat it or whatever. But it's very unsatisfactory because it'd be far better if you actually released it right. into the population. Then you get to see a real live, real world situation or scenario of what you've been modeling all these years. You know, So I think they've done a very good job, science. That's why I follow the science. I don't know. That sounds like bullshit to me. It may well be. <laughs> There's another uh, interesting little paragraph in that article. Oh, yeah? Uh, down here. It says, uh, Dr. Cohen said another long-term concern involves the hygienist theory, which suggests mm. that modern cleanliness contributed to the rise in allergies in wealthier countries by hindering the development of children's immune systems. No, that's definitely bullshit. So, in other words, if you're one of those people that constructed a biohazard suit out of garbage bags... Yeah. Uh, and you scrubbed yourself raw when you got home and everything, you yeah. may have actually done yourself more harm than good. And even the people who are, who are um, scrubbing their children with, with uh, what do you call it, the, the gel stuff. I don't even know the name of it, the bullshit gel. Oh, uh, there's some horror stories. Yeah, but they're like cleaning children, I mean, hindering the development of children's immune systems. So that's basically what lockdowns and all the hands, face and space and... Uh, uh, sanitary measures and stuff have done. So basically, over the past year, it seems that one of the primary effects of what has what the adults in in the world have done uh, with the help of science and by following the science is to hinder the development of children's immune systems and maybe basically leave them open to becoming ill and maybe dying uh, because of the yeah. way adults have behaved like children themselves over the past years. Yeah. Of the past year to create what they just called here in these articles an immunity debt. 
Yeah. And nature isn't like a banking system where you can just push the debt off into the future. Right. It's going to ask for it now. Yeah, well, it's going to come back with a, with a vengeance, yeah. Um, that's something so, yeah. to watch. How bad will that get? General immunity. I mean, kids have to roll around outside. They have to play. They have to get messy. They have to play with other kids. Their survival depends on it. Their normal development depends on it. If you swaddle them in alcoholic gel or whatever the hell it is. Alcoholic gel, yeah, that's what it is. It's, only, <laughs> it's used by alcoholics. They drink drink it. Um, oh, well, you know, they, they were, they, hands in space, they were washing it for every class, before they touched everything in schools. Yeah, yeah. terrible. And coming home with burns. Yeah. It was so clean, so, so clean much their it, yeah. hands to yeah. injury. Yeah. Like, basically hindering, like I said in that article, like that, that, that doctor said in that article, hindering children's immune systems in order to save, supposedly to save, save grandma. So the pandemic is, is with us. The pandemic. Jesus Christ. A pandemic is brewing. Yeah. For real. The conditions of it have been created. And, but you see, they'll be, I, I, can you imagine 10 years hence, they'll be able to say, well, thank God we had an infrastructure in place yeah. and measures in place for when that actual atrocity hit. They'll say, thank God, like the, like the Spanish government said, they'll say, thank God that uh, all adults are now required to provide personal services to the state uh, because uh, a crisis has been declared and um, it's a situation of interest to national security. And... Um, they almost follow orders and instructions of the relevant relevant authorities, um, so that's 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 good. That's a good thing. And it's also bullshit, but that's a good thing. Anyway, uh, there's been an awful lot of bullshit on this uh, show today, um, but not from us, from the stuff we're having to talk about. Well, they keep printing it. So why do they keep doing that? Do is it to, is it to teach people what bullshit looks like? Is it just that most people on the planet who watch the news and stuff don't really know what bullshit looks and smells like and they need to... It's, it's, it's like a teaching moment. There's been a long-term teaching moment over the past several years at least for the global population of what bullshit looks and smells like and the media is doing a very good job of, of, of fulfilling that, that role as teachers. Yeah. No? That's a positive spin. I think they're well-intentioned in, in doing it. That's why... I, you know, <laughs> it's It's... That, that's that's what's really going on. I don't know. No? Do, do they believe their own... The um, Prime Minister of Luxembourg is sick mm. in hospital. This could be a Boris Johnson type sickness where, you know, they slap the mask on mm. him, reel them in for the cameras and just send him home again. Mm. But I believe he's actually sick, sick in hospital with COVID-19 diagnosis. Yeah. After being vaccinated. Yeah. So he believed well enough to get the vaccine. Yeah. Well, he's good. He followed the science. <clears throat> uh, he followed the science right back to the lab, realized it was a lab-created virus, and he crapped his pants and got the vaccine. <clears throat> but if he follows the science even more, he might find out that the vaccine actually was... What got him sick? Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Don't push me on that one. YouTube won't like it. Anyway. We have a, we have a question. How's the chatter? Have the chatters been having fun? <clears throat> yes. Good. Uh, the question We're here is, to fun. 
considering how corona craziness affects people's lives and psyche and expecting crisis and food shortages, do you have any prediction from a geopolitical and social perspective? Yeah. Uh, it's, all, it's all bullshit. Um, <laughs> no, and I mean that uh, this time kind of sincerely in a sense. Uh, I mean, the Brits have been sailing ships into the Black Sea. Uh, to do some exercise with NATO and a bunch of other countries and sailing into the waters of uh, Crimea. Crimea, which is, according to the Brits, part of Ukraine, and therefore they're allowed to sail there, and the Russians are like, no, Crimea is ours, we took it. Uh, yeah, boo, sucks to you, it's ours, whatever you can do anything about it, and the Brits were going to sail through anyway, and then they, the Russians fly their plane over and issue threats and all that kind of stuff. That's all, we've been around long enough, like, I mean, if anything was going to happen on that front, it would have happened before now. There were something a closer approximation of real tensions and a real kind of like you know possible you know live fire kind of uh you know altercation or whatever between the brits or or and the russians or the americans and the russians whatever that there were times in, up before now uh certainly around the time when uh, the, the Maidan, the, the yeah. coup in Ukraine and the taking of Crimea by the Russians. That first week in March 2018 yeah. was hot. 2018, but even when 2014. 2014. 2014. Think, yeah. Excuse me, 2014. 2014. Uh, so that, if anything was going to happen on that front, it would have happened before now. Mm -hmm. uh, so the stuff that's happening in that respect is really just the kind of, at this point, bullshitty, great power posturing type thing. They're attempting to remain rel rel uh, relevant. And to their own population, to their own populations, and pitching to other people's to get right. My vaccine's better than yours. Yeah, internationally and stuff, and and it's also as a kind of distraction in a certain sense from what people really should be focusing on, which is what's going on at the level of you know the impacts, direct impacts on their on their lives. You know what I mean? Um, that that was always that kind of posturing between powers was always a way to it was always a, a game they played to basically to create a sense of. Uh, to kind of justify government's role in the sense that, you know, the British are like, yeah, Russia's a threat to us. Here's an example of Russia being a threat to us. They just uh, threatened to fire at us in, in the Black Sea. And therefore, you know, we need to have a strong government and a strong military so we can pump loads of taxpayers' money into the military uh, and, and from their, you know, into defence contractors' pockets who are friends of ours. Uh, but, and, we, and that way we remain relevant in the eyes of the population and relevant, i.e., as in the role of uh, protector of the people. You know, so they keep that running in the background because that's been a mainstay for a very long time. You know, uh, international defense, basically protecting our country against some foreign aggressor or whatever. So I'm pretty sure nothing's going to happen of any significance on that front. Uh, there's a new kid on the block and it's pandemics, lockdowns, mm, extreme control over the individual lives and movements and actions and thoughts and beliefs of individual members of the population and the population en masse. That's where it's at, basically. And obviously that's way more important and way more significant to the average person than, you know, some ship sailing through some yeah. part of the, either it's if, even if it's the South China Sea or it's Crimea or anywhere else, or if it's Iran sailing across the Atlantic or the Ecuador or some crap like that. It's not really relevant. I mean, it's interesting, but it's not relevant. Yeah. In terms of what affects you or what could affect you in the future, <clears throat> can it look elsewhere? Basically, there's one there's one part of that question that might play out from a, it. Might have hot geopolitical consequences. Remember, two decades ago, the Pentagon report, two thousand three four, long term 
they thought 2020 there would be significant enough climate disruption. I think it mentioned ice age type conditions, yeah. not the global warming. Oh my God, I'm melting here. That's why they said a, a big chunk of the UK would be underwater. Yep. And, 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 but that wars, was a, and water wars. Water fresh wars. Water there wars. was a prelude to think tanking, game scenario, yeah. scenarioing. The they said um, by 2020. Resource wars. By 2020 was their, was their year. That was in 2004 and they said yeah. by 2020 that's what's going to be happening. Obviously that hasn't happened. Well, Although that's not to say, do we want to do quickly the food yeah, shortages it, just on well, that it's, topic? It's in the news. I, like I said at the top of the show, I'm not sure how much of an objective phenomenon this is yet. Um, okay, so food shortages. They've been talking about a lot in the last week. Uh, the first article I want to look at, published in a, a small outlet, foodprocessing.com, but they're picking it up from other bigger sources like the Telegraph and the Times in the UK. UK to face rolling food shortages, question mark. Okay, that's late June, June 28th. Like sausage rolls. <clears throat> sausage rolls, all, all your, your best. The Queen's Milk, everything. Any, any food you roll. The UK is, is headed for food shortages that will resemble, quote, rolling power cuts due to lack of food. truck drivers. Getting fed. Warns the government. So it was the government, uh, it came from the top. Um, lack of truck drivers? Why? Because they're all in hospital with COVID? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Next article. Let's, let's just, I think it's from them. No, did I include it? Sorry, the next one still? <clears throat> yeah. Driver shortage. The industry body representing yeah. truck drivers What's the gist? published this 23rd June, stressing the need for action on the crippling effects of the current driver shortage. They say further down in the letter, <clears throat> if you want to scroll down a bit, figure they give is that there are 100,000 drivers short. Where are they? Scroll down still. They give some numbers. Uh, the factors, the reasons why we're short, COVID. Right. Well, no. Replace COVID with lockdowns. Okay. The second one is Brexit. Lockdown, right. Exit. Retiring drivers, that doesn't hold water. You that hire more. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 so the other reasons are administrative. So they could have handled it better. They, they knew they were facing that logistical issue. I mean, Christ be, in heaven, look at the logistical minutiae of organizing the world that we've seen. We know what governments are capable of doing and the people have responded. Yeah. But they're presenting, oh, never, well, that, that didn't see this coming. Suddenly we're 100,000 yeah, truck drivers short. Shouldn't there be a, uh, one of those he uh, bolded reasons should be bullshit? Like that drivers are sick of all the bullshit over the past like in various different ways, all the like all of those could be grouped under bullshit. Like because drivers having to wait for long hours because of Brexit, or you know having to they, they, on their te uh, test and trace app and being told that they were they, they they looked at someone who might have had COVID, so they have to go and quarantine for a week. So eventually, just said this is bullshit, and I'm going home. I'm, I'm retiring, or or I'm leaving the job because this truck driving job in the in a time of COVID and lockdowns is just bullshit. And I'm out of here. So they could have just grouped all those and said, drivers are sick of the bullshit and that's why there's 100,000 of them missing it. Right. And they've all gone off to, to, to do something else. They have. And um, it's the government's fault. It is. And they said literally that. I didn't include it in our list of show, but there's a union response, which includes a screenshot of a large Facebook 
group page of uh, UK truck drivers. And it, they just screenshotted a sample of the responses. They're all on the same gist. Yeah, this is bullshit right. because they've been driving down prices for years, forcing us to not work or to go private or whatnot. Right. It's total mismanagement from the top. We've been warning them for years this was coming. They knew it. So they're present, they, they were criticizing the state. You're going to the government now and saying, bullshit. We were screaming at you yeah, for, for a long for time years, before yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. And this reminds me, long before COVID, one of the first things that was said in Project Fear when the Brits voted to leave the European Union yeah. in 2016 was food shortages. Right. What are we going to, what about truckies? So many are, what are you going to stop at the border? We got to do checks and controls now. Food shortages. So they've been, they've been talking about it. Why, why has the government time. been affecting changes through fear for a very long time? Why can't they just do well, it? Because they call it Project Fear. The whole Brexit, lead up to Brexit, and the reason why people voted for Brexit was, was called it was Project a moniker. Fear. moniker. I don't think they call it that themselves. No, no but they? it was. A lot of people yeah. use that term, Project yeah. Fear, that right. a lot of fear was used in order to get people to vote for Brexit, like uh, immigrants are going to come and take all our jobs, no women, you know, we won't have any control over this and that and the other, there'll be food shortage, not food shortage, but we won't have lots of control. Basically, it was all fear-based and pushing people's buttons. And, you know, uh, while that's happening, you have all the fear around terrorism and terror attacks and all that kind of stuff, general insecurity, and and then even the Russia thing you throw in at the whole time, the Skripals, poisoning, Novichok, international fears in terms of, again, Russia, you know, China, possible nu- nuclear war, fear around Trump, fear of other people, fear of racism, fear of COVID. It's all fear, 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 fear. We're, we're, and that's all coming from the government. Yeah. What are they afraid of? Well, they're saying, yeah, they're trying to get everybody to feel as afraid they are. As they are, yeah. It okay, seems to be. Okay, so... Is it, is it actually having any effect on the street? So the next article I want to look at it from the Express. Um, this week, they are reporting two to the left of that, Scotty. There are indeed empty shelves in uh, grocery what's, stores across the UK. What's the cause of national food shortages? Well... They, they give the same reason that we've just looked at already. Okay. It's, it's due to a deliveries. lack of truck drivers. Okay, no deliveries. It's a logistical issue. It's due to supply chains breaking down. Oops. Yeah, so lockdown. it's not just – well, then it's not just, it's not just truck drivers. It's the fact that even if there were truck drivers, they, they would go to a pickup point and there wouldn't be anything to pick up. No. It's, a deliver, it's actually no, well, a supply as opposed to just delivery. I've seen a number of responses from large growers. They could be farmers or growing associations on behalf of farmers. And they're posting videos online. They're posting articles. And they're saying, hang on a second. There isn't a produce issue at the point of growing the stuff or importing it. Look at these full warehouses. I, Farmer X, I'm having to plow my stuff under because I can't get someone to collect it for me. So there's a supply chain issue. It isn't the lack of food because of, say, climate change. Right, right. It's weird because we anticipate that coming in later. The mm. powers that be anticipate that coming in later. Right. Crop failures at the source of growing foods. But at the moment, it seems to be effectlessness. They're saying it's supply chain because COVID. Oops. Well, more realistically, if you're looking at it that way, it's 
a lockdown effect. It's a consequence of lockdown. You broke the supply chain, right. and here's a consequence of it. Yeah. I'm still not sure, though, if this is contrived. I'd like to know from people, like, are they noticing similar in their own countries? Are there actually cool. rolling shortages where you go one week and there isn't a whole section on cereals? It's back next week, but now the meat isn't there. And go, so on with vegetables and other produce. Go to the meat tax one. I'm interested in meat tax. Well, at the same time that this is going on, headlines spooking people about food shortages. Um, UK yeah. government, the Daily Mail one there, the one with Boris. Oh, actually, preempting that, before we go, this is from February, right? Hands off our sausages. Downing Street, British government slaps down plans for, quote, meat tax. On the barmy plans. And if you go down to it a little, we'll read some of the text. These co those cows interviewed. <laughs> what do they say? This is bullshit. Scroll down some more. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> furious cows. The Prime Minister wants to get net zero. This is to do with the climate change thing. Okay. Net zero by 2050 to meet his eco goals. Okay. So this was the British press seeding the idea earlier this year that you could be, have something like a meat tax to save the planet. In the process of seeding it, simultaneously, there's a denial issued by the government inside the announcement that that's what they're thinking of. This is such a... It, the British government is the best and the media, let's include them all as one entity. They've always been the best at doing this. Telling you something that's never going to happen under any conditions. In fact, look at that. A senior number 10 official said tonight, this is categorically Transfer not complete. going to happen. But then why did you have the Sun and the other British press report about it? Then if it's, if it's gone, it's off the table. No, it's a sneaky way of saying, actually, this is possibly going to happen. We're just testing the waters and getting some distance and plausible deniability to see how people react to it. Okay, so that's back in February. Now, last week, Daily Mail. Boris Johnson's food czar. Yes, a there is such czar. a thing as a food czar. He's a minister in the British government, an old Etonian like Boris, probably longtime friends. Says Brits may have to. After all, pay tax pay on meat in the future, meat. even if it sparks riots. Well, there you go. There's a reason why they are passing the laws on, on, on demonstrations and, and groups of people. If, I mean, that's, uh, you can't really disconnect those two, you know, even if it sparks riots. So we're planning to pay to impose a meat on ta uh, tax on meat, which means that a lot of people maybe won't be able to afford meat, and that'll cause riots. And that's why we've just, we're, that's why we're right now we're tabling laws that says you're not allowed to riot, especially if it's about taxes on meat. Eat some cake, people. Let them eat cake. You see the third I don't want the government there. touching my meat in more ways than one. The document, presumably with a view to it becoming law, the document will raise the prospect of unrest akin to the Gilets Jaunes movement in France. Ooh. Aren't they something else? Like, they get the word riot in the headline. Oh, look at the bottom. Britons may have to pay a meat tax to help save the planet in the future. Even if it causes riots. Is it, what, if it, they should add in to, to help protect Granny and save the NHS. Britain may have to pay a meat tax to help protect the NHS. They'd, be, they'd get far better, better traction with, if they were going to protect the NHS, you know. Right. 
not to say the planet. Save the planet. No, it only no. holds with yeah. a much smaller yeah. um, upper what, middle class liberal greenie types. What about cows are dying? Nah. No. Granny's way more effective. Um, where is this rubbish coming from? Because obviously Boris Johnson, right, he's, <laughs> he crafted this image of himself as the Brexit guy. So yeah. British nationalists, two fingers to the EU, we're going along, you know. The hell yeah, with yeah. them and all their wishy-washy, bendy bananas, nonsense globalist legislation. Bloody French. Bloody, bloody. We're, we're, we have common sense. We're British. Where is it coming from, though? Meat tax. Save the planet in the future. Hang yeah. on a second. That's a kind of lefty agenda. That's not uh, so much a conservative thing. How can a conservative government talk about a meat, meat tax to save the planet? Well, uh, a listener's going to hear it. It's, it's all over the place once you start doing it. Like, I found one thing just today, okay? So this is from the World Economic Forum, the next one. Let me just scroll down a little so I can see the date on it because this is Why we only go on the planetary health side? A planetary health diet. Mm. There it that is. looks good. 2019. That's a cucumber pizza. Pre-COVID. It's made with cucumbers. This is Jared. This is Klaus Schwab's great reset, people. <laughs> Look at the picture they put. It's a load of freaking vegetables, man. Yeah. That's the planetary health diet? A load of veggies? Yeah. You're right. Well, scroll, I'll, scroll I'll, down. I'll write. Scroll down. I'll tell you how much meat I'll, you'll be allowed to eat. And, and you'll be that. happy, Joe. You'll be happy. Go on, tell me. Um, go on down as the chart below. A little bit more. Down, down, down. Further down. Wait. The oh. It says the, the amount of vegetables mm -hmm. a person has to eat in their diet is has to be the same proportion of people who are in danger from dying of COVID. Gads, I need to find a way of highlighting the text in a live link beforehand. Anyway, I'll read it out. People can find it in the text. The main change, this is the World Economic Forum. In 2019, pre-COVID, this is what they have planned for you, okay? The main change to Western diets is going to be in the consumption of red meat because that's the real target. Over and over, it's about the red meat. Cutting back to only 14 grams a day, just 30 calories, which equates to about a mouthful of a typical sirloin steak. 14 grams a day? Yes, that is your new rationing diet, Joe, to save the planet. Uh, that, that's not even as much. And they're that's going to get it from you with a meat tax. I take more supplements in that, in grams. But those have to go too, I guess. You, no. You, need, you can only have hands. to I eat take, according to their needs. I take 14 grams of magnesium every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine that much at stake. No, I'm not. I can't imagine that. That's impossible for me to imagine. No. It, that's a total protein. That's equivalent to a small chicken breast. That's once a day. No, it's not happening. I'll ride. I'll, I'll, I'll ride over that. Okay, one other item that predates a all of the ride. COVID nonsense. Something else I found from Recurse Research. Um, look, go to the next tab from Cargill. Okay, brief recap on who Cargill is for anyone who mm. may not know. They own all the food. Almost literally. Cargill is the largest privately held corporation in the United States, employing over 166,000 people in 66 countries. That's a lot of 66s. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it is responsible for a quarter, 25% of all U.S. grain exports. 
The company also supplies almost the same amount, 22% of the U.S. domestic meat market. So they are like food. Food, food Inc. They're not exclusive, but pretty much them, you could add probably Monsanto. So what are they saying? And a couple of other companies. So what I'm looking at here, this is, <clears throat> can you scroll up so I can get a date first? Is the dates are important. Okay, sorry, it's not there. Scroll down a bit. Um, 2015, 2015, they hold this event. It's f- titled Food Chain Reaction Crisis Simulation mm. Ends with Global Carbon Tax. So they get all these policy wonks and experts and whatnot. They do kind of like the, the, the COVID, simulation. pre-COVID simulation, yeah, yeah. You know, but they did back in October last year. Yeah. And they run a kind of quote-unquote war game scenario of what could happen if, boom. And a bond fight. And what are, they, what are they? Climate, hunger, civil unrest, and spiking food prices come together at the food chain reaction game in Washington, D.C. this week. Remember, awesome. this is back in 2015. I'm pretty missed that. I would love to be there. <clears throat> the great news is they say cooperation won the day. In the face, they came up with two conclusions that gamed the scenario in a – that produced the utopia, <laughs> the nice outcome, the, the – the optimal outcome. There were two outcomes that must happen, said Cargill, the largest food producer on the earth five years ago, six years ago. They said, in the face of a steep price hike with looming global food shortages in 2022, that's according to their game scenario, not that they were predicting that per se. The EU at one point in their scenario suspended its environmental rules for agriculture and introduced a tax on meat. The most eye-catching result, however, was a deal between the US, EU, India, and China to institute a global carbon tax and a cap on CO2 emissions altogether in 2030. Yeah. So this is the kind of like stuff that's going on in the background over the last decade or more. The gaming situation. And then you like read the headlines today and it's like, what the fuck? A meat tax? That wasn't on the, the manifesto we voted on when we were ferociously debating Brexit, supposedly that's what the, the last UK was election was about. Yeah. And then Boris is p- pulling meat taxes out of his behind. Yeah. Where's it coming from? I mean, there's, there's clearly, I mean, there's clearly like... It sounds like a lot of bullshit to me, but uh, it, it doesn't mean it, hap- it can happen. That's a problem. I'm calling all this stuff bullshit, but it's actually happening. It's, you know... It's 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 maybe a misuse of the word bullshit because usually when you call something bullshit, it means that it's bullshit and you can just forget about it. But it's bullshit that's actually happening. But you still have to comment on it because it's growing. The pile is growing bigger and bigger per day and they're adding to it, you know. Um, I wonder if bullshit contributes to global warming. It does. That's why they want to. They probably want to. They've told make, us cash it does. So probably. I mean, if they want to stop people eating meat, they could just give the cows COVID like wipe them all out. Or just tell us that the cows have COVID and then no one will want to touch it. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, quarantine, isolate the cows, stay in the stay in the barn, stay in the barn, and no one will eat it. Yeah, maybe you maybe you could get COVID from eating uh, and COVID, COVID infected meat. Yeah, that would be a good one, actually. I would go with that. I would follow the science on that one, like <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so that's our roundup of uh, the dire state of the world uh, for this uh, week. It's been pretty uh, bullshitty, as you probably gathered. Uh, nobody, please don't do a count of the number of times I said bullshit during the show, because uh, that wouldn't be wouldn't be fair. And um, 
Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a last, actually, just, just an FYI for the last, just before we go. Uh, Scotty, throw up that picture I just sent you. This is uh, the latest um, addition, uh, kind of changes to the CDC and World Health Organization say that this is an instruction to the doctors about how to fill in death certificates. These are the options now. Oh, oh, I'm going with, oh, I'm not dead yet, but if I was a doctor. Yeah, what would you go with? Oh, God, how did you choose? I want you to go with the bottom. All three. There you go. Yeah. That's pretty much cause of death these days. That is your options. That's what's going on. At least if you listen to the mainstream media, that's pretty much what uh, causes people to die these days. Just wanted to update uh, update people on that one just so you know. It makes it a lot easier because it, it takes a lot, a lot of the thinking in terms of what uh, cause of death and all that kind of stuff. It's super simple now and you don't even have to think about it. Um, but we really do want to stop people from dying. So uh, stay safe, y'all, and uh, hands, face, space, and don't forget the bullshit. Try and stay away from it as well. Amen. We'll call it quits, sir. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe. Commenting is good. Thanks for all our chatters and commenters or whatever. We'll be back next week, unless something major happens. But until then, uh, have a good one. See you next week. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.